podcast series, Irish by the Grace of God. And here's your host, Tony Gorman. Hello, everybody. Today's podcast is with Jerry Rickard, a native of Julie County Meath, who now resides in Mozambique, North Africa. Just a quick heads up, the audio quality in the first 15 minutes is a bit scratchy, but bear with it as Jerry has a fascinating tale to tell. Okay, guys, welcome to our um, latest episode of Irish by the Grace of God. Um, I have with me Jerry Rickard, and Jerry is an old buddy who I uh, haven't spoken to in 40 years, I suspect. Um, Yep. So we, we briefly chatted on the phone uh, during the week just to set this up. So it's great to see you, Jerry. Um, I know you've, yeah, good to be here. You've, you've had a very uh, colourful uh, career since you left school in terms of travel and, and stuff like that. So um, I think the listeners will be very, very interested to hear um, your story Uh I think the last the last time we we met was in school, fifth year and sixth year we we shared, and we used to have this right. uh, we used to have this phrase where I don't know where it came from, but it was <laughs> every time I'd see you, yeah. I'd just stop you and say, "You make me sick." You know why you make me sick? You're so stupid. Because you're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no. I have no idea where that came from or why it was meant to be. I think. Some sort of cool mafia persona. Yeah, <laughs> no it must have been. It must have been some Godfather type film or series that were at, that was on Has years. Has to be. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to imagine that it's like forty years. I mean, uh, I think the last time I wrote it before this week, it was probably our last day at school. I, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless we we met at a wedding or something. No, I don't think so. Maybe Sean Murphy. Yeah, we kind of took different paths. To, yeah, we took different paths. Um, yeah. I, I went off, well, to college in Dundalk and then West Cork, and you did your thing, which we're all going to find out uh, about now. So you're a native of Julieg? Yeah, County Mead. Yeah. County yeah. Mead. So from yeah. Julieg, to me, is, is famous for... Well, you can you can counter this, but Nothing. I know the, the the Gallagher brothers, Liam and Noel, did a bit of holiday there, didn't they? From Oasis, That's right? Yeah, their father was their father was from Dunleek, um, and uh, he uh, they went really on the holidays as kids from 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 Manchester. As did I, because I, I was born in in England actually. Um, oh yeah, my brother and sister born in England, and uh, my my parents were were. Immigrants in the fifties, as, as many people were, obviously at that time, and uh, so they left. They left to leak in the late fifties, and I was born in England, brought up in England until I was eleven years of age. Wow! Didn't know Lake, that. A, yeah, never knew that. Shock. Yeah, did you not know that? No. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Some some people will, will say to me still that, "Oh, did you ever uh, work in England?" Because they can hear. The odd, the odd words slipping through, so, you know. Yeah. yeah, you probably don't. Yeah, the Gallagher's. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, the Gallagher's. Uh, and I, I actually, his, their father uh, was also, is still 
uh, he was a regular in the league even when I was going back visiting in the, in the last few years. You'd often see him um, in the bars uh, professing his, his fame and glory to to one and all, you know, wow. who he was and who he was the father, father, yeah. father of was. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not, much else, not much else about the league, um, but I can say uh, it's famous for, I mean, I mean, historically, it's a famous village, of course, but, uh, but nowadays, you know, I remember going to a, a youth a youth disco in Jalik, and uh, yeah, I was playing I was playing fantastic air guitar in the middle of the uh, the disco, and some of the locals took exception to this either because I was from Limerick, or I wasn't from Jalik, or they didn't like my my air guitar my air guitar style, but uh, but oh, only for a few local Jalik people that I knew, I think I was in big trouble. <laughs> I can't imagine where you were, probably the GAA um, pavilion or the, the local parish centre, yeah. one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so you went to secondary school, obviously, in St. Mary's in Drogheda. I say obviously because yeah. that's where I met you first. So I, I, yeah. I, I met you in fifth year and sixth year and yeah, I would say that you were probably, you know, this is my Im impression, you were probably top of the class, you know, you'd been a fairly studious type guy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, it would be fair to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed school, I, I guess you could say. Um, looking back on it, it was, it was a, a football grind when you think about what, what the curriculum was and, you know, what study we had to do. But yeah, I was, I, yeah, I've always been a reader and uh, always been somebody who's studious, I guess. But I don't think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, not to the, not to the extent that it affected me from a social point of view. I enjoyed myself socially all the time. I wasn't like a bookworm with a head in books all the time and not being a social person, you know. Oh, I remember school very fondly. I've yeah. got a lot of friends and a lot of fun and a lot of laughs. And um, yeah, it's uh, that's amazing to think that that's, that's 40 years ago and just like that, you know. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, I always yeah. remember you, you could always have a bit of crack with Jerry, you know. Um, so, yeah, I must admit I enjoyed my, 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 my two years there. But we were discussing the other night. Um, yeah. You know, some of the, the treatment some of the teachers got was, I, I kind of mm. look back at it now and like to, to, to us, uh, at the time it was a bit of, bit of fun, you know, <laughs> if you could yeah. get a, if you could yeah. get a reaction from the teacher, but Jesus, like, uh, yeah, it just, yeah. you put them under so much pressure and, and stress, I guess, you know. Yeah, kids can be cruel, can't they, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... I'm not sure if it's any better these days, to be honest with you. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think we, we uh, caused a lot of stress for, for certain teachers. That I won't mention any names. Uh, actually, as I mentioned to you the other day, I got to know some of them quite well um, after my years uh, because I ended up um, a friend of, of Sean Conlon, a Latin teacher. Yeah, my Latin teacher. I don't think he did Latin, uh, Tony, as far as I remember. No. Um, but uh, yeah, Sean became a, a very good friend of mine, and 
He was only a young lad when, when we started in St. Mary's. Uh, I think I said it to you, I think he was like 23 or 24, when, uh, you know, just a new teacher. Yeah. He's about 10 years. He's got about 10 years on us. And I became a good friend. I still am a good friend. And, yeah. Um, Any time back in, in Broadway, we, we get together and we play play some music together. Uh, we actually even had a, a duo together at some point when I was still living in Dublin and we we played the pubs at Drada for a couple of years. Um, we went by the name of Man the Van, awful name that I came up with. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we played for a couple of years around the pubs and the circuit of Drada. Oh, brilliant, that, brilliant. But you actually played the, the gig scene uh, in Drada. Jeez, that's a bit because, in fairness, Drada was a it was a great. Um, it was a great town for for music, live music gigs. Yeah. You had you had the gem back in the yeah. day. Your Joy Mahers. You'd oh, I can't remember the place up there. The boxing club, of course. Yeah, so it was brilliant. Like yeah, great, great gigs there. I mean, there was a there was a small group of of, of people who organised the gigs. I remember Tony Clayton Lee being one of them. Yes, Tony's yeah. a journalist now, the Irish Times and music journalist. And uh, yeah, the gig scene was really, really. Um, striving for you know in the early 80s uh you know all the way through i went to many many good gigs the swan inn i remember being another that's really right. uh place um yeah all the all the you remember all those bands that sort of threatened to be the new u2s in in, in the 80s absolutely they yeah. all uh, they all played up there in Georgia. You know, i remember seeing you know bands like like a big fire. Do you remember them? Yeah, yeah. Mama's Boys um, and Two and New. Mama's Boys, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, and all the folk, the folk bands all went through. Christy Moore. And all, brilliant, all that. brilliant, brilliant times. Yeah. yeah. So you, 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 you finished your leaving cert and you went to uni then. You went to, did you, you went up yeah. to Dublin, Jerry, wasn't it? Yeah, I went to DCU or NIHE as it was at the time. Um, and I was, the guinea pigs there because we started this new communications studies degree um, and I got a place on that. Uh, I was a wannabe journalist in those days. That's, that's what I was aiming, that's right, aiming right. for. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I went to DCU uh, as it is now and did a three-year degree in communication studies. Um, and that was, that was, you know, yeah, it was like a bit of a culture shock, you know, going to going to Dublin from this sort of posited um, existence that we had as boys in St. Mary's, CBS, and Drada, and going to the big, the big smoke, and, you know, you know, you said earlier that, um, you know, I was one of the, one of the clever guys in the class, but, you know, you go to a university like that, and then you realize, oh my God, all these, all these fellows in London much clever than me, you know. Wow, yeah. yeah it's a little bit overawed, I think. You know, it didn't have... I don't think growing up in a small town like the League of Georgia wasn't, you know, for me, even going to Dublin was a bit of a culture shock, you know, to, to meet all these self-confident women and, 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 and men who uh, had no problem talking and presenting and here, here was I, the little bug man from, from the league. Yeah. It was pretty, oh, I, I, remember be, I remember being pretty overawed about it, you know. Wow. Being a little bit, feeling a little self-conscious, I guess, you know. 
new experience. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, obviously we ours was an all male school. Um, in fact, I think the last year yeah. we got one female in the in the class, if I recall. We did. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So there was one yeah, female right. in in oh, woman. Yeah, I mean. Everybody, it quite, it quite, it suffered our cough. I tell you, we didn't know how, we didn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, thinking about that, how did she deal with it? And fair play to her. She's, you know, this, this fantastic, confident young woman coming in and taking part in the in the classes in an all boys school. Amazing. I can't remember why she came. Or, yeah, I guess. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So you did? Did you enjoy uni? Did you stay up in Dublin, Jerry, or? Oh, I, I commuted actually, because um, ECU was in Glasnevin. Yeah. If you remember, or Ballymun actually. They always said it was Glasnevin, but it was really Ballymun. Yeah. Um, and uh, you couldn't afford at the time, yeah. you know, couldn't afford gigs and stuff, and it was easier to uh, to commute and commute for me many times when hitching, hitching up and down to Dublin. Um, you know, because it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been going every day. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, I remember walking from Avenue Avenue across into Finglas, uh, two or three days a week and just hitching a lift back to the league, you know, the 25 miles or so that it was, you know. It's crazy, um, isn't it? Crazy. When yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I did the same because I, uh, we used to live, uh, the Dublin side of Drogheda and I used hitch from yeah. our house in, I'd get a lift into Drogheda, walk across Drogheda. Then hitch from yeah. Rahad up to Dundalk and do the same again, which yeah. is yeah. it's so uh, it was done then. I mean, I don't think uh, it would remotely happen now. No. Uh, I don't. I don't think you see anybody hitching in Ireland now. Very rarely, I'd say, but it was quite common in those days. I mean, we all hitched, all hitched lifts. Yeah, you know, I remember hitching lifts sometimes to, um, to and from school. You know, if I missed the bus or whatever, it's a lift like the yeah, and you'd get the lifts. That was the thing back then. You'd you'd, you'd get lifts, you know. You would, yeah. I only ever got one dodgy lift. Some some guy who started setting me up in the car. Yeah, there was always there was always a story about <laughs> one dodgy. <laughs> there was always yeah. one dodgy lift you you got. I had a dodgy lift, and I remember my brother. My brother came in one time. Uh, he was in uni in Dublin, and. He came in to my bedroom one time. Uh, so he was only, I suppose, nineteen, or and he said, uh, "I used to have a, a a scout knife." And he came in. He goes, "I want your scout knife." And I goes, <laughs> "I want your scout knife." He goes, "I was, I got a dodgy lift." <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it was always one. Yeah. So you, you, I remember, did, yeah, I remember you asked me that I like university. I mean, uh, yeah. I can't say I thoroughly enjoyed university years. Um, you know, I think I, I remember making the promise to myself after I finished that I would never ever study again, Go ever. Ahead. And then, wow. yeah, I, I just didn't like the experience that much. I mean, I got through it, and you know, I, I got my degree and degree with honours. And but yeah, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the experience and I vowed never to study again which I broke completely a couple of years back when I started a master's study and just finished uh, 60 years of it. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I broke well, my promise to myself. Ah. And uh, so 
you're you're finished uni now. So what does Jerry do? Yeah. Um, I guess I, you know, I at that stage I'd sort of given up on the on the plan to be a journalist. You know, I, I tried to get into Rathmine. Remember, remember the journalism course that they had. Mm. They still have. Didn't get into that. Um, communication studies was was probably the next best thing. And um, I just started applying for jobs. That would have been 1983. So um, I started applying for jobs, and I was one of the lucky ones, actually, because if you remember those those years, Tony, were pretty tough in Ireland. They were very uh, many, many people. Yeah. yeah, many people emigrated. Most of the people that I was at college with couldn't find jobs. <clears throat> excuse me, in Dublin or in Ireland, <coughs> and um, I applied for a job in a in a PR company in Dublin. And, you know, I had a vague idea what PR was through my studies. And uh, I went through this rigorous interview process of four interviews for um, a company called uh, Murray Consultants, who are still, still there. And they're, and they're the biggest, or were the biggest, sort of corporate PR companies. They had many corporate clients like banks and pharmacy companies and that sort of thing. So I, I got, I got take, taken on there um, as a junior account executive. And I remember the first salary. I remember getting the first salary letter. I think it was for, as far as I remember, I think it was for nine thousand pounds a year. I think that was my first, my starting salary. And um, yeah, I started uh, again, still commuting up up to um, Upper Mount Street every day, getting the bus from the league, and uh, getting the bus back. Um, for for a few years, I, I, I spent I think almost three years in, in that company. Um, and it was a real, uh, real hard thing ground. It was a tough place to work. They were very, very, um, very strict um, and strict teachers uh, in that sense. Um, lots of rules in the office, um, but uh, very, very professional company. I learned a lot there, and I learned a lot from. Um, my first boss was an absolute gentleman, uh, a man called Michael Colley, who used to be a PR guy for um, for ESP before he went to Maurice. He's a lovely, lovely man. He taught me a lot. Yeah, and I stayed there for two and a half years, um, okay. commuting up and commuting up and down from the league, and uh, and then I moved to. Um, which was the biggest advertising company in Ireland at the time, McConnell's, McConnell's Advertising. And they had a, a PR company, which um, I got taken on, um, taken on as another account executive. And I stayed there, uh, I think, for 10, 10 years. Wow. Uh, I had the time of my life there. That, that was when I actually made the move to Dublin. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm sort of living my life in a backwards way. I mean, my teenage years were very boring and not much happened and I was a very good boy and very conscientious. And as soon as I moved to Dublin and discovered Dublin pubs and Dublin nightlife, <laughs> yeah, it all went horribly wrong. All, went backwards. all bits were off. <laughs> yeah, it went completely backwards. My teenage years came with a vengeance in my mid-twenties. You know, in fact, I'm still having them here. <laughs> yeah, you need a. So, I think yeah. you, you, yeah. 
you need a period where you need to have a blast, basically. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was my period in in Dublin, and you know, going out several times a week, going to gigs, um, many many gigs. Uh, you know, you know the you know the story. Uh, <laughs> work, you know, she was going to have one turned into a session. Several, several more. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was my life in 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 Dublin for 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 ten years and. You know, Dublin was my city. I never, ever, ever thought I would leave it. I loved it. Go ahead. You know, I, you know, it was, it was my home from home. It was a place I felt at home and never wanted to leave. I never, ever thought I would leave um, Dublin. I was, just, I was just the sort of person who, you know, you know, you come across friends who always wanted to leave and go and mm. go to Australia or go to America. Mm. Some of that was of necessity, of course. A lot of it was, especially in the eighties. But um, I never wanted that. Never, ever. No. So, what, what, so what, what was the catalyst, Jerry? <clears throat> the catalyst actually was um, so Disney on Ice were a client of mine in the Connells. And um, so I would have, you know, done most of the promoting work for that show uh, when it came to Ireland. It first came to Ireland, I remember, in 1989. So... Um, and every year it came back. So I started working for them as a client. And towards the end of the 90s, uh, they just asked me, hey, do, you want to, do you want to join us? You know, you're doing a great job there in, in, in Ireland and we're looking for somebody to take over some of the markets and, and supervise some of the markets for us. And uh, so, you know, that was a dream job for me, you know, something mm. that I'd always wanted. I loved I loved the entertainment business. I loved working in that, that entertainment sector um, because, you know, it was still like a marketing and sales and a publicist job, but it was in entertainment. It was completely different. You know, it was much more informal. It was much mm. more relaxed. Um, you know, it was still a corporate job, very much a corporate job, an American corporate company, but the entertainment sector was different. So I took the job. I worked for them for two years. Um, out of Dublin, out of my apartment in Dublin. But that's where I started traveling, um, like really traveling, and that was just for work, work trips, you know. Mm. And I think I was, at the beginning of, of those years, I was traveling like over 200 days a year. I was out oh, in wow. the country. It was a, a lot of traveling. Yeah. And it, it sort of struck me, uh, you know, I could live anywhere. I don't mind being here. I don't mind being in Australia, I don't mind being in America, you know, many trips to the States, and uh, it sort of, yeah, made me curious about other places. And then, you know, after two years, uh, I, I got a promotion, they offered me a promotion to go and uh, head the business, the European and Middle East business in, in Amsterdam, uh, that's where they had the European office. Wow. And again, it, it wasn't something I, I hesitated about at all. Yeah, I go for it. No, I would have been in my 30s at that stage, late 30s, 36, 35, 36, I think. Um, so, yeah, talk about doing things in reverse, you know, leaving home at, at, at 36 years of age. Um, it was, yeah, I, I didn't have any, any hesitations about it at all. Um, so even though, you know, as I said to you, even though Dublin was my place, Dublin was my home, 
I just felt that, yeah, this is an opportunity that I have to do. This, mm. this is going to be cool. So we live in Amsterdam. And um, working out of Amsterdam, why not, you know? So, so yeah, that's when yeah, I left, 1998. So, wow. So, Jerry, like, say, like, I've done a small bit of traveling and, yeah. you know, with work and... I wouldn't be a big fan of it. It may be different in your case, just in terms of you go, you're on your flight, you get your hotel, you yeah. get your hotel late, you're in the, wherever you're, the, the company you're, you're meeting the next morning, you work late, you're back to your hotel. You might have to go to dinner with people that you don't really know. Yeah. You're back. So was it the case that was it was was it something similar with you? I mean, if you're doing that two hundred days of the uh, of the year, that's a tough gig. Yeah, you, you know, looking back on it, it was it was tough when it was you know at the end of my days there, I spent like twelve years, I think, um, with Feld Entertainment, as it's called. They were, they had the licensee for this show, and uh, yeah, it was one of the reasons that I decided to. One of the many reasons I decided to to um, to leave, but uh, you know, in the beginning, it was a huge adventure for the first few years because you know you're going into these arenas, uh, you know, where all your favorite rock stars had played. You know, going to Wembley Arena, for example, oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, dealing with some of the biggest and best promoters in in, in Europe and the world. You know, that sector was, was fascinating. And yeah, every night entertaining, but that that industry has so many characters uh, who love to talk about themselves, and you know, I, I was in awe of that. You know, talking about these guys who, you know, brought Bob Dylan out for dinner the week before, and all the stories they had about Jeez. bringing Mick Jagger home to their their houses to meet their mother, and all all of this stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it it was fascinating. It was a it's a fascinating industry. Um, it really is. And I loved it. I loved the entertainment industry. I loved that side of it. And I got a lot of free gigs out of it too. Yeah. Wonderful gigs. Brilliant. <laughs> so that was a, that was a perk. Yeah. yeah. I remember sitting, sitting uh, on the side of a stage in, in, in Germany, uh, just me in a, on, a, on, a, on a seat at the side of the stage, just looking at Bob Dylan, just right there in front wow. of me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as an example, um, and I, I rarely, rarely get starstruck, but I was, I remember a story in, in being in Dublin, um, and I used to work with, with Dennis Desmond from NCD, you know, as, yeah. as, as you know, biggest gig promoter in Ireland and in, in, in Europe, one of the yeah. biggest. But anyway, he invited me and a colleague, he said, I have a gig tonight, small gig, and it was in, uh, I can't even remember the name of the place, it was in Middle Abbey Street, um, above... Uh, ooh, I'm trying to think. It's a small club. Doesn't matter. The name escapes me. It's closed many years since. So he said, "Yeah, who who do you have?" So I, you know, I have Robert Plant. I said, "What?" <laughs> said, yeah, Robert Plant. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, of course I'll go. So we went to the gig. Me and me, and my colleague Dave, and it was an amazing gig because Robert Plant was he had his mates with him, and they called him. They called the the band. I remember the name. They called themselves the Priory of Zion. No, the Priory of Brian, I think it was. Um, and it was his mates, and he was playing all the songs that inspired him to become a musician and to set up, you know, to, to start with Led Zeppelin. 
Yeah. So he played all these old blues numbers, and, and it was a fantastic gig. And after the gig, um, Dennis says, yeah, come upstairs and, and meet Robert, you know? Yeah, sure. Jeez. And so we, we went upstairs, and um, it's it sort of a bar uh, upstairs, and just introduced to Robert Plant, who was the most genuine and down-to-earth man you could meet with this, this brummy accent who was fascinated about the fact that we worked for Disney on Ice because he brought his kids there. But, you know, wow. at one stage, I just, I just, I just remember <laughs> looking at him and, and just saying to myself, fuck me, I'm talking to Robert Plant. Yeah. You know, that was the only, that was the only time I was starstruck. I just couldn't believe it. I'm talking to Robert Plant, you know, this, this rock icon. Yeah. You know, oh, um, Ridiculous. And, and that was the only time. It's ridiculous because, you know, these, these are, they're just ultimately guys at, at, the, at the end of the day. We, we, we put all these people on pedestals. But, you know, in, in, in later years, I, I did some promo promoting myself. I went on tour with, um, uh, with Americana bands. Um, I'm jumping ahead here. I guess that doesn't matter. Um, so in late, I, I had the entertainment bug still in my system. And many years later, I, I still wanted to be a promoter. At this stage, I was living in Portugal. And um, I went, I decided I would bring Americana acts over uh, who were already touring in Europe and put them on tour in Ireland. Mm. Um, do, a, do a week, a week circuit, a circuit of a week around the pubs and clubs. And yeah, you just go on the road with these people, you know, amazing, amazing stories. Uh, and see how, how hard they work to put on. Yeah. And how, how hard that is to do it night after night after night, doing the same stuff, saying the same jokes, saying the same old lines, you know. Wow. It's a, it's a, tough, a tough one. So, tough gig, um, yeah. But yeah, tough gig. But yeah, that was, um, that was the travel bug for me, you know, just to, just to realize that, you know, I can live anywhere. And so I moved to, moved to Amsterdam in 1998, so 25 years ago. And, uh, been traveling ever since yeah it's since. it's funny uh i think probably during covid people realized that yeah you can actually work you know you can work from home obviously but yeah. you could you yeah. could be you could be on a beach you know in in tenerife and you could be working you know f you know from there anywhere basically yeah. so you yeah. basically you tweaked that a long time ago <laughs> yeah I, I, yeah i guess so um, you know, we did have an office in Amsterdam, but, uh, you know, we were really there. We were on the road. We were working from home. We were working from hotel rooms, backstage uh, shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. I tweaked that a long time ago. You know, the, this office, this office stuff, it's just a, it's just a con. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I have to go to an office and sit there for eight hours a day. Who, who decided that? Who decided <laughs> Who made that rule up? Them, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they did exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and we fell for it. But um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's very interesting. You and then what prompted them? Did the, the change then again? You changed again after was it ten and a half years? You were with them. Uh, more, I think twelve years. I think twelve years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I say twelve years with uh, Disney on Ice and uh, living in Amsterdam, which is a fantastic experience. You know, what a wonderful city, you know, from all respects, you know, 
but you know everything that you can be whatever you want to be in Amsterdam. Let's just put it that way, or whoever you want to be. It's that sort of a city. Love and, living there too. And Jerry, you 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 said before that you love Dublin. And how would you yeah. how would you compare Amsterdam with Dublin? What what would be the differences? You know, uh, what would be you know the Dutch would you know is the crack the same? Do they do they get the crack? Uh, you know the, you know where I'm going. Yeah, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good question. I ended up marrying a Dutch woman, Christina, okay. and uh, who I met in Texas, actually, didn't even major in Holland. Um, yeah, in Austin at South by Southwest Festival. Uh, when I was living in Amsterdam, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'd have to say uh, the first answer I'd give you that, you know, the first three or four years I lived in Amsterdam was completely an expat life. I don't even know if I ever talked to a Dutch person in you know, the first few years. It was very very much uh, an expat community there, hanging out with people from all over the world, going to gigs and going to the bars and stuff. Um, so, you know, I didn't get to know the Dutch culture and language until much later, until after I met Christina. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Dutch have a sense of humor, but it's a completely different sense of humor than, than the Irish. Okay. Um, uh, they do like to go out. They do like to have a drink. Um, but uh, there's a seriousness about the Dutch that the Irish don't necessarily have. It comes from, I think, from the, you know, the, the Calvinist sort of background. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're very serious about their work and very serious about how important work is and uh, it's sort of a doing culture, very much, very much. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and not not completely spontaneous. That's the that's very very um, noticeable. So you know you can't drop in spontaneously to somebody's to a Dutch person's house. They 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 freak out because they have to have it written <laughs> in their diary, you know, weeks in advance. I'm serious, you know. Wow. Uh, I remember I remember going to my landlord at the time. Um, just dropping into him, saying, coming out for coffees. Oh God, no, I can't go out for coffee. I haven't written it down in my diary, you know? You can't come in here asking me to come for coffee. So yeah, very different, different, uh, different mentality. Um, and, and I got to know the Dutch a lot better, obviously having uh, married into them. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, because the Irish, they, they just arrive at your front door and nearly push their way past you for a yeah. cup of tea. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. On. yeah. we like I've encountered. Uh, I've worked with some Dutch people down through the years, and they've all been very pleasant and very nice and polite. Yeah, but I, I would say that they're probably be a bit more direct. Uh, you know where oh, completely. Yeah, the Irish. Oh uh, yeah. You know, if we want, if the we Irish, want, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we kind of go around and sort of say we have that sure. Yeah, sure. It's grand policy, you know. Everything's yeah. grand, you know. Even <laughs> yeah, even at work, you know, if you want something, you you be kind of dancing around it, you know. If you have the time by any yeah. chance, whereas uh, I yeah. just recall, yeah. I want this and I want it now. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very direct. I'm not afraid to say what they 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 mean to say, you know, what they want to say in any situation. You know, you know, the typical you, couple of Irish people at a restaurant that they give it up yards about the food and how terrible it is and rotten the waiter will come over and say, how's your how's your meal oh grand it's grand oh, it's lovely 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 we, 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 we just can't 
we can't tell the truth that way, you know. But if George would just say, this is terrible, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is completely unacceptable, blah, blah, blah. Completely direct, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was in, interesting uh, dealing with, with, with Dutch people too, you know, at work and different cultures. I mean, the, the, the job I had, obviously, was dealing with cultures all over the, the planet, you know. Uh, and that was also a fascinating aspect of the job. You know, everywhere, it's different, different ways of see, seeing things and doing business. And, you know, in the early years, the Americans would barge in and say, you know, you got to sell the show this way. And the locals are saying, it doesn't work this way in, in our country, you know, you've got to do it this way. I think the, the Americans learned a lot, you know, how to respect um, the cultures of other countries. And how yeah, yeah. Different, different yeah, I know exactly things. what you mean. People way things are done, yeah. Yeah, I know um, exactly what you mean. Yeah, and Amsterdam was a great experience. And I guess, you know, having met, Christine is the adventurous one of the pair of us, you know, I mean, it might, that might sound a little bit. That's a, bit, that's a bit bizarre because you, you haven't stopped yeah. it. You haven't stopped traveling. Yeah, but in terms of Christina, sort of set planted the seeds about maybe life is a little bit different or can be a little bit different. You know, um, you know, I was hundred percent focused on, on on the job and loved it, and and you know all the usual stuff, ambitious. Um, uh, you know, saving up for the pension for future years and for the retirement, you know, all the stuff that, that many of us do. But, you know, different things happened during those years that sort of started to change my mind about, you know, what I was doing and why I was doing it. Now, one of them, for example, because I was working for an American company, they didn't pay any pension money for me because I wasn't an American citizen. So I had to, you know, invest any uh, excess money that I had in, in stocks and shares and built up my own pension. And then and, you know, I thought I knew it all. I had, I had no clue, you know. I, I lost everything in the financial wow. crisis of 2008. And I, I literally mean everything that I had saved and built up for um, completely wiped out. Uh, and, you know, some people, I, I sort of surprised myself. Some people might, might have you know, jumped off a bridge yeah, and drank themselves to death or whatever. And I don't know. Um, I, I guess it was my, without knowing it, it was a sort of first dabbling in, in mindfulness or what I'm teaching now. Yeah. It was a, this sort of accepting what happened and saying, okay, now I have to think about my life and think about what's important. And maybe there's something different, you know, because at the end of the day, this, this is all paper, it's all air. You know, everything that I thought I had disappeared overnight, yes. more or less. So, Jerry, just, just, so that was 2008, and had yeah. you, met, had you yeah. met Christina at this stage, or, you know? Yeah, I met Christina in 2001. Oh, um, okay. In, in, in Texas, as I said. And we got married in 2005. Uh, we had a, and you lost everything. And then 2008, yeah, you lose everything. Yeah, that's that's yeah. really that's really stressful um, situation. Yeah, well, it depends how you handle it. I, I guess it, surprisingly enough, it didn't stress me out too much. Mm. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. Just maybe a reflection of my my personality. Um, 
it's more of an acceptance of, okay, this has happened, and how do I move on? So that was definitely also one of the big catalysts of saying, okay, there must be something else in life. I'm thinking, oh, this is important. <clears throat> and um, we decided that, you know, we would, uh, I would leave the corporate life in 2009. That took me three years to actually take that step. It wasn't wow. an easy step. No. You know, I, to give in my notice, you know, I, I, I doubted a lot about it. I thought about it. Because I was, you know, I was living the life, Tony, you know, traveling all over the world, beautiful apartment in Amsterdam, good money. Um, and then, you, yeah, you just sort of, you sort of think, well, there is maybe more to life than this. Mm. Maybe something else. Um, and, you know, work became a little bit more corporate. There were different acquisitions within the company. You know, the, the workload was getting heavier. The bonuses were getting smaller. <laughs> you know, the, the rules of the bonuses were changing at, at, at random, randomly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, you sort of, you sort of think, um, yeah, okay. Maybe I should do something else, and you know all of this sort of stuff were catalysts in different ways of saying, okay, now we'll now we'll move on. So I did give in the notice in, in 2009, and um, we left Amsterdam, and we took a year out, you know, and uh, you know, I'm saying doing everything in reverse. I took my year out. I was almost 50. <coughs> And um, we went traveling. We went traveling, and we did it a little bit different. So instead of you know backpacking the world, we we, we chose um, several places where we could stay for two or three months, with a view to um, maybe settling in one of these places. Okay. So we went to Australia, Cape Town, Indonesia, Suriname, Caribbean, um, different places where we we lived for for two or three months. Um, the plan was to go to Cape Town. I wanted to bring Disney on Ice to Cape Town, so I hadn't I hadn't escaped the um, uh, the entertainment life. You know, Feld Entertainment was uh, it's a big it's a big uh, corporate concern, and they're also the owners of um, the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, okay. famous uh, three ring circus. So uh, I guess I ran away from this from the circus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the corporate, not, not the corporate the circus. Yeah, <laughs> corporate circus, yeah. But I wanted to bring um, Disney on Ice to, uh, to South Africa, and I found a partner to do that. But then my own company let me down. They decided to go with somebody else. You know, so you sort of think, you know, you, you work your arse off for, for 13 years, and you give them everything. And it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. They, mm. they went to somebody with, with more money. Um, uh, also, you know, hard learnings, hard learnings along the way. You know, yeah. learn from, yeah. from this sort of stuff. But anyway, uh, so Cape Town fell through and we moved to, um, we went to, decided to go to the Algarve where a mate of mine had, a, had an apartment. He said, you can borrow my apartment for three months and go. Uh, we went to the Algarve and stayed there for 11 years. <laughs> so, nice. lo loved it down there. Not, not in his apartment, I have to say. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, we spent 11 great years in a town called Lagos and, uh, in the Algarve. Beautiful, for many Irish yeah. people. 
Beautiful. And holidays there. Yeah. And, and, and loved it. But I, I, I guess, you know, the <coughs> of us have a 10-year itch because we started, you know, itching about um, moving away from the Algarve after so, 10 years being there. So, Jerry, what, in that period um, in the Algarve, what, what did you do uh, in terms of income and work and... Yeah, um, so I, I, I still wanted to pursue, uh, you know, the entertainment sector, to stay in the entertainment sector, but I wanted to try and do it on my own terms for myself. Yeah. Christina did various bits and pieces keep the money coming in. Um, I was lucky, uh, not lucky, um, you know, I, I didn't lose an apartment that I had in Dublin, which is giving me the apartment I lived in. Um, so, you know, that was giving us some rental incomes uh, to help okay. us, Sure. you know, uh, to help us uh, live in the Algarve too. Uh, and it gave me a bit of a comfort to, to try these things for myself. So the gigs I mentioned earlier uh, was part of that. Um, and I also uh, tried to represent other touring companies, exhibitions, and sell them on to other promoters. But to be honest, Tony, uh, none of it worked out. None of it worked out. The, the gigs I did in Ireland, for example, over a period of two years were the most expensive gigs I ever went to. I, I ended up paying for them all, you know, because uh, you know nobody came, nobody came to them. You know, I remember sitting in Limerick. Uh, you know, with an artist called Gurf Morlix, he's a very well-known um, singer-songwriter in the Americana sector. Nobody came. Nobody came to the show. It was me, me and Gurf. Oh, jeez! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, uh, no, I had a few good gigs, but not enough to 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 make a living from it. It was a yeah, hard, yeah. not a hard lesson. Yeah. You know, to make it in the entertainment world, you need either a lot of money behind you, personal money, or, or you know, backup money from investors or something. It just, it just didn't work. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, I also even bought a show, a kid show with a, a Greek partner, and we called ourselves some Green Bubble Entertainment. And I had to explain to him why, because, you know, bubble is a, a rhyming slam for, for Greek, bubble and squeak. So it was the Irish and Greek Green Bubble Entertainment. Um, we bought a kids show, a dinosaur show. And we had that touring around different parts of the world, losing us any money, any money that we had saved. But actually, we just managed to sell that on recently to um, to, to somebody else. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll make our money back. We'll make our money back on that one. Yeah, but I know. But I really have to take my hat off to you as well, because... You know, you weren't sitting on your hands. You were trying things. You know, you were trying to be uh, entrepreneurial and, you know, getting out there and, you know, just trying yeah. things, you know, which is which is huge, yeah. to be honest, in my view. Um, so, yeah. you know, respect there. Yeah, you know, and I don't regret it. I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, the trying is, is, the, is the main part of it, whether you succeed or not. It's a different story, and I'm really glad that I tried these things. And even though they weren't successful, I, I wouldn't swap those experiences. Yeah, exactly. World, you know. I, I, and the other thing, Cherry, I'd say is that you know when the crash and you lost everything in 2008, like 
that could have been a slippery slope as well uh, for a lot yeah. you know for a lot of yeah. people so to to come out of that is yeah. a huge thing <clears throat> yeah yeah and i guess you know as i said to you it, it depends on what attitude you have about these sort of things um it's the same with businesses too you know mm. people have tried and failed and lost money and can't handle that or can't accept that but you know it is what it is you try things and you learn from that too you get valuable lessons and valuable life lessons from everything that you try um and and that's that's helped me you know on, on the path that i've taken now okay. so so tell uh, me about the path you've you've taken you up sticks from portugal yeah well while i was in portugal give me a bit of background <coughs> um so in 2015, we were invited by a very good friend of ours, Simon. He's an English, English man um, uh, living in London uh, and now moved to India. He, he's married to an Indian woman. And he turned 50, and he invited a very small group of friends and family to celebrate his 50th birthday in India. And it was a wonderful trip, you know, uh, you know Simon, made money in the banking world and he, he treated all of us to this wonderful trip in, in, in India where we did all the touristy things and then the final part of that was he booked this little retreat center close to the Himalayas you can see the Himalayas out of the, the bedroom window and part of that uh, being there for that week there was also a yoga teacher as part of that group uh, American lady called Bristol, and he says, oh, you know, it's yoga every day, anybody who wants it. I go, yoga, smoke, you know? Yeah. Very, very bullshit, you know? And, uh, and I had no, I had no interest in anything like that whatsoever. It's funny, you know, I, I, me I mentioned to you uh, on a phone call, so in, in 2014, um, I lost both my parents mm. in very close proximity to each other, within two weeks of each other. Oh, wow. Um, in the lake, they were still in the lake. Um, my mother uh, had cancer, which came back. And yeah. she, she died on August 31st, 2014. And my father, who was 81 at the time, he was a good age. He was never a day sick in his life until he realized that my mother was, wasn't going to make it. Yeah. And he, he fell apart. He literally, you know, he literally fell apart in front of our eyes. Jeez. Had a stroke, um, blood poisoning, you know, ended up in the Lourdes Hospital in Drada. Yeah. And he died 12, 13 days later. He couldn't, you know, it was, he was too sick even to go to my mother's funeral. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess when something like that happens um, with close family members or friends, do pass on. Uh, yeah, it does get you thinking about life. And does, yeah. I'm sure you're the same, Tony. You know, I've lost some friends along the way, along the years. And I guess I was sort of seeking something without knowing it, um, seeking some answers. Because um, I think I'm still grieving at that stage. Mm. So anyway, I went to this, this yoga session and I thought, oh my God, this is, this is amazing this sort of link between body and mind and, and you know, how you don't make that link from, on the day-to-day -day level. We have a body and we have a mind and we, we live in our minds mostly and we disregard our body. But this sort of, um, you know, body-mind link was, 
it almost blew me away. Um, and I said, there's something in this. And I, I think that was my first step on, on, on that path and wow. discovering the benefits of meditation. And that led me to finding um, this master's in, in mindfulness-based teaching that's given in Bangor University in Wales. And I applied, applied to, to do that uh, four years ago as a part-time master's. Um, and pre-COVID, I was going over and back to Bangor. Jeez. Um, from Portugal to, to do, you know, weekend studies and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that 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 trip to India was the, was the first step on, on the path that set me set me get, got me going on this this, this meditation yeah. and mindfulness path. Yeah, I I actually find it fascinating myself. I've dabbled in the the yoga. I've done sessions actually with an Indian yoga teacher, and I've also yeah. d- d- dabbled with Tai Chi and uh yeah. and also the mindfulness just stuff yeah. i get online and books i read and stuff like that but i remember yeah. on the tai chi the the instructor used to always have the incense burning and the we'll say the monk's music at the end and you'd go into yeah. you'd, you'd go on your knees i used to always fall asleep after about three minutes i'd be gone it was so yeah. relaxing yeah. you know but um yeah you know, the mindfulness, the, I suppose the thing I picked up from it was just the whole breathing exercises. If you're, if I'm ever mm. in a stressful situation, this 16 second breathing thing is, I just find it really mm. good. But go ahead anyway on the, the mindfulness uh, journey. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I started on the master's four years ago. And then um, uh, in, in the meantime, so in 2021, just uh you know during covid times at the, at the peak of lockdowns and we were in holland at that time um we were back in holland at that stage just just uh, uh staying there for for a few months and um we decided to go on holidays and we wanted to go back to cape town again after 10 years or 12 years but then cape town had a serious lockdown so we decided just to come to mozambique and we've been to Mozambique before on holidays, but never to this place here. And we came to this town called Vinunculos, um, on the coast. And we stayed here for three months and we, we liked it. Oh. Um, and we were, you know, as I said earlier, there's a bit of a 10 year itch saying, okay, what are we going to do in the Algarve? What, you know, we've done a lot. What are the prospects here? What are we going to, are we going to stay here? Um, and then, you know, I was still doing the masters at that point, but I saw opportunities here. Christina always wanted to live in Africa. She's a real uh, Africa file, you know, loves Africa, loves traveling here. And, you know, I also saw opportunities here. It's a lovely part of the coast. It's a tourist town, beautiful lodges. I'm living um, uh, opposite of group of islands. I can see them right, right over here. Uh, oh. Or the Bajaruto Archipelago. Um, there they are. Look, I'll show you. It's like, uh, I don't know if you can see the sea. It's the Indian Ocean there. I can't see it in the light. Beautiful. Don't yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't see it, but I can see it's not raining anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's bloody hot. But anyway, we decided, you know, that there were opportunities here, you know, to maybe develop retreats uh, for the tourist market. And, Very um, good. And do other, other things here. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, we came here uh, a year ago, probably exactly a year ago. 
today and um, we, uh, we've been settling in a new continent, in a new country, uh, which is challenging to say the least, but uh, it's, it's been good and I've been developing the mindfulness stuff quite slowly, I have to say, because I think I'm probably the only person in, Mo in the entire country, Mozambique, who's, who's doing this stuff. Um, oh. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm talking with a lot of um, lodges and accommodations about doing retreats and doing mindfulness packages for their clients and teaching online. I teach uh, uh, an eight-week course on mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, which I teach face-to-face, -face, but also online. I've been mentoring people online, and I've also been teaching at schools here. I did a special training teach kids Very good. Uh, uh, something I never, ever, ever planned or thought I would be doing. Yeah, yeah. I just decided to do it here and, and teach at one of the international school uh, three-month program, which was absolutely amazing because I don't know who ended up teaching who. You know, uh, you know the kids taught me an awful lot. Go away. Um, amazing, amazing experience. And Jerry, so... <sighs> If if I wanted to go on a retreat with Jerry Rickard uh, in Mozambique, uh, you know, have how do uh, you know? Have you website? Have you? I do. My website is just up and running, and um, it's called Mindwise. It's, it's the company, so it's Mindwise.me. Um, I'm actually going back to Portugal to do a retreat next year too, which is really nice. Looking forward to that. And hopefully in Ireland too. Um, Brilliant. I've got a few ideas that I, I'd, I'd like to like to put into into place, but all, all in its own time. You know, I think, you know, for me, mindfulness has also given me a lot personally in terms of you know the practice that it's given given me and helped me uh, see things in different ways, and relate to things in a different yeah. different way. That's and that's, that's what I love teaching. You know, pe teaching people to to see their mind in a different to relate to their thoughts in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of us are imprisoned by our thoughts. We mm. think all the time and we, we believe in what we think all the time. We believe that everything we think is true. Um, and we actually cause ourselves a lot of grief and suffering sometimes mm. because of that. You know, a lot of us live in the past or live for a future that, you know, actually hasn't happened. And, and well, it does. It doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All we have is really no, and and that sounds like a cliche, but it's absolutely true. All we have is, you know, this moment. In this moment, shapes our next moment, and so on and so forth. You know. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's very, you know, difficult. You may have stuff racing around your head and thinking about worrying about things in the future. Yeah. yeah. You know that yeah. you know might happen. But invariably yeah. don't invariably don't happen, and it's I, right. I guess what the mindfulness and you can correct me if I'm wrong is that you know to manage those thoughts and, and uh, yeah go, yeah go, as I said, go, to relate go. to those thoughts differently. I mean we can't stop our thinking. I mean, we're, mm. we're thinking creatures. You know the, the only time we'll stop thinking is when we're in a uh, in a box mm. six feet under. You know. But you can relate to those, that thinking in a different way. That's what mindfulness. That's what I like to teach in, in mindfulness. Yeah, yeah it's so, fascinating. I've said this, and really? I don't know. I, I I don't know why I keep saying it. I've said it on a couple of podcasts before. But actually, I think mindfulness is is so. Um, it's a common theme running around at the moment. But 
Yeah, there's a guy in Limerick who's and he's a, he has his own radio show as well, Dermot Whelan. He's a great book, um, Mindful. Um, I just listened to the audio book, but I found it yeah. I found it really really good, and I think there's you know there's a huge amount to it as well, and I think people are learning yeah. more and more about it, which is great, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think too 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 many of us have. We, you know, I said it earlier. When I talked about the yoga, we um, we do look after our bodies from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the gym and we eat well. And but how how many of us actually take care of our minds? We we, we tend to neglect our minds mm. and, and what our minds can actually do for us and how we can work with our minds and, and um, treat it just as as gently and kindly as we do our bodies. It's very important, you know. Yeah, it's fascinating indeed. stuff. Yeah, indeed. So, so, um, so that's Jerry Rickard's uh, kind of history, colourful travel history. Um, so I guess really the future, Jerry, is on the whole mindful, um, you know, journey. And do is Mozambique home now? It is. Mozambique is home for now. Um, yeah. And we will we will stay here for at least a couple of years and reevaluate. Well, I have to say, um, we both miss Portugal. The Algarve is beautiful. Portugal is a beautiful country. Yeah, great people. <clears throat> we have lots of friends there. Um, we miss we miss that. But Mozambique also, and Africa has a lot to offer too. You know, um, it's you know the African people. You know that they're they're very mindful in themselves. You know they they see life from a completely different perspective. They see the end of life in a different perspective and how they live and so on. It's a pretty amazing experience to be here. Um, not always easy, I have to say. Mm. Uh, and not always, it's challenging. It can be challenging. It's got many, many good things about it too. It's very beautiful here. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a whole continent to be explored too. It's, a, it's an amazing continent. It really is. Uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll get another itch in ten years, but uh, that stage will be pushing seventy. <laughs> you believe that, <laughs> Jerry? We'll yeah. have to cut it here. Uh, hang on. I just want to say one thing. I'm seeing the guitar behind you. I still want to be a rock star, so maybe we should um, join that band. <laughs> Make before it's too late, you know. Yeah. Well, Jerry, you could play the guitar, right? But I'll have to be the yeah, front man. I'll I'll have to be the front man. <laughs> Uh, I'll have to fight you for that one. <laughs> yeah. We all want to be the front man, don't we, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Jerry, it's been a pleasure, I have to say. And, you know, I, I'm desperate because um, I just lose contact. You, you know, it's gone back. Yeah. You get, you know, you get caught up in your own life and your own you work yeah. and oh, families. and and But yeah. we definitely... We're not going to leave it another forty years because we'll be both we'll be both pushing up daisies. <laughs> yeah, we certainly will. Yeah, yeah, just about. I'd say you know, just about, just about. Listen, yeah. we'll keep yeah. in contact, so, and Jerry, we will for sure. Listen, I really appreciate you giving the time, and uh, it was an absolutely fascinating story, I have to say. And uh, you know, I hope the listeners really appreciate it. Uh, I I know I do, and. Uh, I wish you all the best and Christina the best and uh, with the with the business as well. 
I, I'm going to call it a business, but but I know it's more kind of a, a state of mind or, you know, it's a passion, I guess, you know. So I wish you yeah. all the best with yeah. that as well. Thank you. And uh, again, yeah, same here. Great to talk to you after all those years and we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch and sharing the stories. I have one more thing to say to you. You're making me yeah. sick. <laughs> Why are you making me sick? <laughs> you were so stupid. <laughs> Jerry, take care. Bye-bye, All the yeah, best. You too. Cheerio the now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Irish by the Grace of God. If you like it, please share it with your friends and family and check out our website, shows.acast.com forward slash Irish by the Grace of God hyphen podcast. Here you'll find all our social media pages to make contact. If you know of any Irish people living abroad with an interesting tale, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you and tune in next week. Bye bye.